to the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast, coming to you from DraftKings Studios, with your hosts, Kyle Morganoni and Matthew Betts. Welcome in to the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Unfortunately, this week, there is no Kyle Morganoni. The Borg, the Borg Ogun, is headed out west on his move to Arizona. Big congrats to Kyle uh, and his family. But yeah, man, he's on the road. He is out traveling. He is probably somewhere in the middle of the country at this point, going from Georgia to Arizona. But he's traveling for the week. So uh, for this episode, actually, we're going to have a first. We're going to have a uh, a solo show, a solo pod with me, Matthew Betts, on this DFS episode, our Tuesday show, as Kyle do and I do every week, kind of going through the slate as a whole and talking about you know the Vegas lines and our early salary standouts, all those sort of things on the show. But it is going to be a little bit of a different format. Might be a little bit quicker. We'll see how things go today. Uh, and then for Thursday, Kyle will again be probably just getting to Arizona, setting up his uh, house and, and all sort of stuff. So we're going to give him the break for the week. He'll have the week off as far as the DFS pod goes. And uh, I'll have a, a guest with me this week. I'm really excited to bring on John Daigle, um, uh, formerly Roto World of NBC Sports Edge. John is super smart. The dude knows his stuff, so he'll join me on Thursday for the show. Very excited to sit down with him and preview the Week 17 main slate. Before we get to that, want to remind everyone about the DFS Pass. It is stupid cheap. I say it every week, and Kyle and I joke about it. It's still too cheap. We had a bunch of people winning a ton of money last week. It was super fun to see. Um, DFSPass.com. Use the code DFSPOD to save yourself a little bit of cash. You know, maybe you didn't get what you wanted for Christmas. Maybe you didn't get you know exactly what you wanted. This is the way to do it. Um, we go through the playoffs. We go through the Super Bowl, and the content still rolls all of January into February. So go check it out at dfspass.com. Let's talk about Week 16 cash. All right. So each week, Kyle on the site writes up a free article for you guys to review. So be sure to check that out. Um, again, thefantasyfootballers.com. You can read Kyle's cash review there, and I'll just kind of read quickly my thoughts on his lineup and maybe talk about where I got different. So for Kyle, we went back and forth kind of over the course of the week and talked about it on the show in the DFS pass. It kind of felt like there was, you know, three or four like super, super strong, honestly, maybe even five running back plays that you could you could want any one of those guys. The main guy for us was Justin Jackson once Austin Eckler was on the COVID list, just far too cheap for his role in an insane matchup with Houston. So Kyle and I both played him. And then the other guys that we talked about, you know, Ronald Jones in an awesome matchup, no Leonard Fournette, um, James Robinson taking on the Jets. Every week we talk about how awesome that matchup is. And then, you know, Kyle, shout out to him. He was super into David Montgomery that week. And I thought, you know, he was fine, but I felt the other guys were probably better plays in my opinion. Well, it turns out Kyle was right. He did play the David Montgomery lineup. So so Kyle went with David Montgomery, Justin Jackson, um, as his two running backs. And I went with a three RB build. I played Justin Jackson, James Robinson, um, and Alexander Madison was the other running back. And the concerns for me really around Rojo were mitigated. I know that Keyshawn Vaughn had that super long run. I think that was pretty fluky, ripped off that huge play, best run of his career. And Ronald Jones still got there with 20 carries. He found the end zone. So at his super cheap price tag, I played him on FanDuel. I did not play him on DraftKings. In hindsight, a bit of a mistake. I ended up in Madison and Justin Jackson, who were fine. And really, this one just comes down to bad luck. You know, it's the James Robinson injury with the torn Achilles. Of course, you can't predict that kind of stuff. And that's going to happen in DFS. And knock on wood, I feel like this year, personally, I've gotten a little bit lucky with that kind of stuff. I remember last year, there was a ton of situations where like Deontay Johnson would come in and get hurt and then he was done for the day and you know my cash teams were, were pretty much dead but um, that was kind of our take on running backs and I think 
in hindsight, I probably still would have played the three that I played, Justin Jackson, James Robinson, Alexander Madison. It probably was a completely different day if James Robinson doesn't tear the Achilles. Again, hard to predict that, unfortunately. Wish him a speedy recovery. At the wide receiver position, you know, I was never not going to play Cooper Cup, and, and Kyle and I were pretty much on that. Minnesota, just an awful secondary, giving up the most wide receiver points in adjusted schedule. And Cooper Cup coming in, sporting, what, a 35% target share, seems locked in for a 100-yard bonus on DraftKings almost every week, has 10, 12, 11 target, honestly, reception upside every week. Didn't find the end zone this week, so you know he comes away with a ho-hum and 24 points on DK. So he was locked in for us. Absolutely, especially with all the, the value that opened up. And, and Cooper Cup was definitely rostered about 82% in those cash formats. So Cooper Cup was in for us. And then the other one, that there's no way I wasn't playing Antonio Brown. I mean, you talk about the situation opening up perfectly with the Mike Evans injury, the Chris Goblin injury. It led us to AB. Comes out, sees 15 targets. And this, I didn't even know this, honestly, guys. Like, this just came up to me, uh, and I put this out on Twitter. Um, Antonio Brown can still earn a million dollars in contract incentives. If he reaches the following thresholds, he needs 50 catches, he needs 800 yards and seven touchdowns. And after last week, he now has 39, 519 and four. Tom Brady loves this dude, loves him. And he comes away with 15 targets last week. Without those players, he steps right in. The dude hadn't played since like week six, comes in 15 targets immediately. Um, and it just his price tag. He was so, so cheap with those incentives. We're going to talk about him today again on salary standouts. Antonio Brown looks like a smash play. Yet again, those incentives this time of year, I do think carry a little bit of weight in DFS formats, especially um, as we get close to the end of the year. And obviously here we are in week 17. So AB was in for us. And then Josh Palmer was a name that opened up late in the week with the Mike Williams situation. Uh, his price was just so cheap, $3,300 on DraftKings. We knew he was going to play probably every every snap. And we also knew that he was probably going to be um, a guy that would s- succeed. We've seen him have success in the Keenan Allen role when Keenan Allen's been out. Weren't sure where he was going to play on the field, but regardless, the matchup with Houston was awesome, and it really worked out well. I mean, I don't think anyone saw Houston taking the lead here and forcing the Chargers into a catch-up mode, but that's what we saw, and it was great for Josh Palmer there at 3,300. Just an awesome, awesome tag for a guy who I think is, is pretty talented, and I think this week, maybe a similar situation with you know Mike Williams and um, Jalen Guyton still on the COVID list, so we'll see as the week goes on the real differentiator this week for Kyle and I you know I played the three running back build once James Robinson went down it was over Kyle opted for Tyree Kill who became a really popular play over the weekend we didn't talk about that too much on the show just because we didn't know who would be activated off COVID you know with Travis Kelsey landing on there I think anytime you get Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs at home in a a relatively favorable spot against a reeling Pittsburgh team you think Tyreek has what 15 target upside and if you're going to give Tyree Kill a ton of volume he looks awesome on paper unfortunately just didn't work out Pittsburgh couldn't do enough to push him in case he didn't really have to do too much to get there so uh, that's who Kyle played I landed on the three running back build and for me the one last thing I'll touch on it was Rob Gronkowski I paid up for Gronk and cash I think if you gave me the choice to do it again I probably would looking at that situation you know the Bucks they just throw so much and, and the thing is that they don't stop once they're ahead like they want to throw the ball when they're down, when it's a neutral situation and when they're leading, even in the fourth quarter. So I thought playing AB and Gronk together in the same lineup was probably fine. Um, in hindsight, obviously it didn't really work out. 
And maybe that's something to consider moving forward. But for me, it felt super strong, just given the chemistry and connection that Tom AB have, and then Tom and Gronk have. I thought he was at least in line for six, seven, eight targets like he had been seeing with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans in the lineup. Turns out that is not the case. I think he saw just two targets on the day. It was it was rough if you played Gronk. So that's kind of where I fell short. Hopefully you guys had a better week than I. It was still an okay week uh, as far as overall bankroll management, but was not great. Definitely in cash for me. It certainly could have been better. I do want to take a quick break and just shout out to Kyle, man. Like this dude is in the middle of a move across the country, has two young kids, has a wife. He's trying to manage that. He's trying to do all the stuff for the site. He's trying to do all the stuff for the shows. And he comes out and he was on this, man. And I really wish I would have been. I talked about this with Kyle on the show last week about Joe Burrow double stacks. And if you're in the DFS pass, Kyle hit the nail on the head. He talked about that being the biggest injury mismatch with that secondary of Baltimore just being so depleted. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Joe Burrow being in awesome spots because of the fact that that secondary gives up a ton of deep plays. We know we've seen Joe Burrow have success pushing the ball downfield to those two wide receivers. It's a pretty concentrated offense as far as where the targets are going. And I I didn't play enough of it, honestly. And really the reason I got off of it was because of the fact that Josh Johnson, who was on the Jets like two months ago, uh, former XFL star and journeyman quarterback, became the starter for Baltimore. And, you know, once we had the news of Lamar Jackson being out, Tyler Huntley landing on COVID, I just thought to myself, like, can they really push the Bengals to have to throw and have to actually put up a ton of points? It turns out their game plan was to play to the weakness of Baltimore, and that is clearly in their secondary. And so, yeah, shout out to Kyle. He was all over it. I know a bunch of our subscribers and listeners played a bunch of those those guys and just huge, huge weeks for them. So shout out to those guys. Super awesome to see. And the other one that Kyle was on for tournaments was Rex Burkhead with the news of David Johnson being ruled out. It was sort of a late uh, situation, so it was it was more of those you had to be plugged in over the weekend and probably tough to do for a lot of people with Christmas and all those sort of things. But um, yeah, but once he got ruled out, David Johnson, Rex Burkhead opened up as a really solid bring back option as just a super, super cheap guy against a run funnel Chargers defense that we talk about a lot. And so I think Kyle played that in one of his lineups, so he did pretty well. I did not. And this is one area, you know, just talking through this with you guys, like I definitely have to improve for sure, on my biases. I mean, you can, before this week, you couldn't tell me that I was going to play Rex Burkhead in DFS for tournaments. Like, we're talking about upside. I just didn't think he had it. And I think that's one weakness that I have personally is just like having these biases against these guys that are either older, that are journeymen, that are going to be out of the league in a year or two, that are coming off of injury, whatever it may be. Um, And I definitely paid the price for it this week. So those are kind of my big takeaways for the uh, week 16 slate. Uh, A lot to take away. Hopefully some good stuff for you guys. It was a good slate. It was a lot of fun. But week 17, man, it is going to be crazy. Let's break it down. State of the main slate. All right. Let's talk about the state of the main slate for week 17. Before we get into the games that have that 50-point total and the team implied totals that we'd like, I want to remind everyone, each week we refer to the lines at DraftKings Sportsbook. That's where Kyle and I play. That's where we do a couple of wagers. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip the things that are down this week and just talk about some positives. I mean, my goodness, I did not think it was going to happen that the Falcons could actually get the seven wins for Kyle and I. But here we are. We at least get our money back. It is a push. They are, I think, 14 and a half point underdogs this week against Buffalo. So that does not look great. Uh, we'll see if they can they can pull it out, though, next week in week 18. But yeah, the Falcons sitting at seven. That was at least good for us. 
We got the money back there. And then Kyle and I both pretty high on Dallas to enter the year. If you listen to like our best ball shows, they're a team that we really wanted to invest in their offense because we thought they could lead the league in scoring. There was a wager we put in at the early part of the year to have that happen. And right now they are leading the NFL in scoring, which is awesome to see. If you watch that Sunday night football game, my gosh, they smacked the Washington football team. Dak looked incredible. So yeah, that's pretty fun to see those two things happening. We will see how they shake out over the next couple of weeks. If you did some preseason wagering, let me know on, on Twitter or social media, like how you're doing, where you're at with those kind of things. It's always fun to see. And it's always good to have a sweat together on those things over the last two weeks of the season. All right. Before we get into the you know, games that we like to stack, the sneakiest games, all those sort of things, let's talk about the slate as a whole. I mean, we're looking at a slate that now has 14 games on the main slate. We have not had one of these since like week one at this point in the season. And the reason there's so many teams and so many games, there's no Thursday night football anymore this week. There's no games on Saturday. No teams are on by. So pretty much you only have four teams off the main slate on Sunday night football and Monday night football. Those teams being Green Bay, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, and Cleveland. So on these slates, it can be really overwhelming to kind of sift through the news, trying to find like where are the best plays, where are the leverage points. But I think our edge here is really going to be in trying to identify um, edges in cash games to find the best plays because people are going to get overwhelmed by how many there are. The other thing is that it, it opens up a lot for tournament opportunities because when you have these smaller slates, you know, we had a couple that were like nine, 10 game slates, and those are fun in their own right. But what that does is it just causes things to condense really hard around the best plays. And so it's it's kind of, you know, tricky. Like maybe you don't want to get off those chalky plays. It gets a little uncomfortable. This week for GPPs, I think you're going to be able to because we'll still be able to have really quote unquote good plays at reduced roster percentage. And I think that's a way that we can really attack this slate. So I'm excited about it. Again, 14 games. It is a monster. And the roster percentage report, of course, will be updated on Friday and Saturday in the DFS pass and as well a third time on Sunday morning. Get you guys ready as you're setting your lineups, all that sort of stuff. But for this slate, let's start with the games that are at the 50 or higher total mark. And even though there's only, you know, there's four teams on by, 14 total games, there really is only two games with a 50 plus total. We've got the uh, the Dallas Cowboys hosting the Cardinals. That game is at 51 points. Dallas currently a five-point favorite. I could see that game getting to like five and a half, six points as far as favorite. The public loves Dallas right now, and they're coming off a huge game. But right now, it looks like a pretty close spread with a total at 51 points. And then Kansas City traveling to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals. And after Joe Burrow just roasted the Ravens for over 500 yards, that game is sitting at 50 points. So those are actually the only two at that mark and then there's a little bit of a drop off we've got some games like in the middle 40s range but there's a lot that are pretty gross down in the you know 42 and a half and below range and really for dfs game stacking purposes it takes it off the board for us you know i'm, I'm not going to look to those games down there like the um let's see here the saints and the, the panthers you know sitting at that like 38 38 and a half total it's just it's not where i want to be so even though the game's in general, look overwhelming because you look, open the slate and you say, oh my gosh, how are we going to sift through all this information? There's 14 games. I can start crossing off a couple already as far as where I want to go for tournaments and upside. And so I think this slate, even though it may look overwhelming, isn't as bad as it seems on the surface. Those two games really stick out though. Arizona, Dallas, and KC, Cincinnati. As far as like who's you know projected to do really well, according to Vegas and the smart folks there, I mean, Tampa Bay. 29 and a half points taking on the Jets. No question about it. We're going to be talking about those guys a lot 
on the Friday show and as well a little bit today. Buffalo, same total there at 29 and a half. And those two lead the slate. Buffalo taking on Atlanta. It just sets up extremely well for Josh Allen, how much they throw, how susceptible Atlanta is in their secondary. It could be an awesome spot for Josh Allen stacks. And then this one is a little bit surprising. I did not think we would see San Francisco all the way up at 28.8 points. They're almost right there with Tampa Bay and Buffalo. They're taking on Houston. And we're going to talk about it a little bit here in a minute. I wonder if that total comes down just a little with Trey Lance likely getting the start with Jimmy G's uh, thumb issue. If you get that rookie quarterback starting, we saw Trey Lance not have the best outcome earlier in the year. I wonder if that comes down a little bit, but that stuck out to me like a sore thumb. You get San Francisco at almost 29 points against Houston and, and shout out to Houston and Davis Mills, man. Like I kind of made fun of Houston for taking Davis Mills in our offseason shows. I just thought it was a waste of a pick. He actually looks like he's got some talent and you could argue he's been one of the better rookie quarterbacks in this class recently as I know it's a short sample, but of what we've seen so far. So I think that game, even though it's looking like a huge spread and a, a big, you know, uh, like blowout type of situation, I think Houston isn't going to roll over here and just let them do what they want. That's definitely a situation that we'll talk about more on the Friday show. The other one that stuck out to me, super surprising to see the Patriots at 28 and a half points against the Jaguars. And that total is sitting down at like 39 points or something like that. Last time I looked like it's all the way down there. So what Vegas is telling us is that this game is not going to have a lot of points, but the Patriots are going to score a lot of points, AKA the Jaguars are projected to, to do awful this week. Uh, against the Patriots. I know we joke on the show all the time, you know, just bet the under on the Jags team total and you'll be a rich man. It's getting thin. I think they're down at like 13 or 13 and a half points right now. So Vegas is telling us the Patriots should roll. We should see a huge positive game script. Obviously, if it's one of Damian Harris without, you know, Ramondre Stevenson, that looks like an awesome spot. The other two names here we'll throw out. Again, we talked about this with the uh, the games north of 50. Dallas, 28 points. Kansas City also sitting there, 27.8 points. So again, more of a game stack situation. We're going to talk about those teams in a lot of detail on the Friday show for sure. All right, let's get into the games that I think are going to be the most popular to stack. And we have to talk about you know those games at the top for sure. The one with the highest total sitting at 51 points. I threw out Arizona and Dallas. And the reason I think it's going to come in more popular than KC and Cincy is just because the pricing is a little bit softer. You're still getting Dak and his weapons priced down a little bit, specifically on DraftKings. I mean, Dak Prescott can pop up for these huge games any given week. He's down there. He's at 6,700 below like Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Matthew Stafford. I mean, he's down there as the, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He's the QB nine on DraftKings in a game that has the highest total. So the pricing is a little soft on Dak and then specifically looking at his playmakers, you can make stacks really work easily with Dallas if you want to. And on Arizona's side of the ball, you know, if James Conner, let's say, is injured, Chase Edmonds is going to be extremely popular. You can always bring it back with Christian Kirk, who's been popular the last couple of weeks. So there's ways that you can bring it back. And it seems sort of obvious that I do think that because the pricing is just soft, that that one will be really popular in a roster, roster percentage port. Not sure if it's going to be one that I'll, you know, fade or go to, but early in the week, it does look like it's a decent spot for tournaments and for upside for sure. And then honorable mention, I'll just throw out Kansas City Cincy. Anytime you have two quarterbacks that are young stars in the game in Pat Mahomes and Joe Burrow, and specifically with Burrow coming off that 500-yard game, like if KC has success here and Cincy can also do what they want to do and they can kind of push the ball downfield, you could have a really fun upside back-and-forth environment with names like Tyree Kill and Jamar Chase. I mean, it just sounds like a smash spot 
for all those guys. So those two games absolutely are going to stick out. We will talk about that on Friday. The sneakiest game this week, and one that I think is going to go under the radar a little bit, for me, it's the Rams and the Ravens. And, you know, the Rams are sitting at a team total of about 25. Uh, the Ravens down there in the low 20s. It's not a huge total. Last time I looked, it was about 46 and a half points. But it's in that range that I think can easily hit the over, especially with how banged up Baltimore secondary is. I mean, all of their starters are out. They have a couple safeties that are less than 100% or out. And we saw Joe Burrow take advantage last week with T. Higgins, uh, Jamar Chase, and even Tyler Boyd running wide open down the middle of the field. This Baltimore secondary is one that we want to pick on week after week. We did it two weeks ago with MBS. This week, again, now they're taking on, oh, hey, it's Cooper Cup. I mean, that game certainly could be one that has a, a huge um, you know, point total at the end if the Rams can have success. And I think those Matthew Stafford double stacks, even though Stafford was really down for us last week, could be a nice bounce back opportunity against Baltimore in this game. And honestly, man, the Ravens, like even with Josh Johnson under center, they can answer back. And we saw that with Mark Andrews last week, a couple of weeks ago with Tyler Huntley. I was concerned. Tyler Huntley comes out, plays awesome, almost beats the Packers. So even though the Ravens, they're depleted, they're still getting it done on offense and they're still pushing for a playoff spot. So this game is is huge for playoff seeding. I could see both the Rams and, and Ravens really getting up for this one. And if the roster percentage stays down outside of the names of Cooper Cup, sign me up for sure. The game I'll be underweight on or potentially fade this week, I, I mentioned it a little bit ago, it's Carolina and New Orleans. I mean, it, I know we just saw Ian Book on Monday Night Football, so it's a little bit tough to talk about them from an objective standpoint because that was awful. I mean, that was one of the worst football games I've watched in a long time. Honestly, almost considered changing the channel. Um, but, you know, it, it just depends on do we get Taysom Hill back in the lineup or not. If it's Ian Book, I mean, the Carolina Panthers, DST looks awesome. But then on the other side of the ball, like what has Carolina done to give us any confidence that they can actually move the football in this one? They're also sitting at a low implied total at 16 points um, going on the road in a tough game environment in New Orleans with Matt Rule apparently thinking it's a good idea to rotate quarterbacks and have Sam Darnold come in and then Cam Newton and back and forth. It's just been uh, atrocious and awful to see. And, and DJ Moore out there struggling through a little bit of a hamstring issue hasn't helped either. So for those two situations, yeah, it just looks gross. I think both DSTs are in play outside of that. No, thank you for me this week. The team that I'm confident hits the over of their implied total. Let's talk about two teams here. I'm going to throw out one for Kyle as well. I'm going to go with the Rams, 25 points. It just feels too low. Over the last three weeks, Baltimore ranks 31st in defensive scoring. Again, we just saw the Bengals hang 41 on them, not once, but twice this season. You can obviously score on Baltimore, and the Rams coming off 30 points last week can get it done, obviously, this week in a game that I really like. The other team that I'm going to throw out, the Eagles, my Eagles, shout out to us in playoff seating right now, by the way. Uh, did not expect that to happen this year. We'll see if that can continue. This week, though, the matchup is soft. I don't really know why the schedule makers did what they did as far as why they're playing the Washington football team again. They just played them, if you guys recall, on that Tuesday night game two weeks ago on TuesdayNightFootball.com. Um, and we saw the, the Eagles have success there in that game. Philly right now sitting at a 24.5 total. I like the over there. Seven of the last nine Eagles games have hit the over on the Vegas total. So not necessarily their implied total, but on the game total as a whole. And it's because the, the Eagles have been pretty good on offense, honestly, outside of that stinker against the Giants a few weeks ago. So I really like the Eagles in this spot taking on Washington. Over the last five, they're averaging 28.2 points. They're eighth in the league in scoring. 
in that sample size. So I like Philly a lot this week to get that over on their total. Let's talk about a team that we're going to fade this week that could hit the under on their implied total. Honorable mention, as always, is the Jaguars. But the real answer here, I'm going to go with the Steelers. Sitting at 19 points, taking on Cleveland. You know, you've got that classic like AFC North battle between two teams that can really go slow. And and really for the for the Steelers, like we saw them have success a couple weeks ago when Big Ben was Andy's start of the week and it worked out. But it's because the Vikings like pushed them to actually have to throw and have to catch up in the second half. Whereas Cleveland, they seem pretty content on winning games 21 to 17 or, you know, uh, 17 to 14 or something like that. And they're going to run the football with Nick Chubb. They're going to try to really control the clock. That's what they do. And really maybe try to hide Baker Mayfield, who honestly looked terrible on Christmas. So I could see a game where, you know, Cleveland doesn't really want to push it. Pittsburgh doesn't really get pushed. And then you just have this game that's low scoring. We saw, you know, back in uh, the middle of the season when these two teams played. It was 15 to 10. Pittsburgh did win. Uh, Pittsburgh has gone under their team total six of the last nine games. I think, think they can do it again here. Three touchdowns feels like too much for Big Ben and Pittsburgh, especially how they played this past week in Kansas City. That kind of does it for the slate preview. But last segment before we get out of here, let's talk about those salary standouts. Salary standouts. All right, so let's talk about some names that are not available on this slate before we can kind of break down who is and really the biggest name at quarterback. There's no Aaron Rodgers. For running backs, there's no Dalvin or Alexander Madison. There's no Aaron Jones. There's no Nick Chubb. There's no Najee Harris. Those are some big names off the slate. For wide receivers, Devontae Adams, Deontay Johnson, we talk about every week. And then Justin Jefferson, who's just been unreal recently, is not on the slate either. So some big names not on the slate. There's a bunch of names, though, that I think we're going to really want to play. And we'll get to those here next. At quarterback, I'm going to start at the top of the pricing here and kind of go down. Just the names that stuck out to me early in the week. I mean, Josh Allen at 8K, I know he's expensive, but how can you not love one of the most pass-happy offenses in the league in Josh Allen with a huge implied total taking on the Falcons, who their secondary is one that we pick on every week. And and obviously, you know, A.J. Terrell has been really good. It doesn't matter with a guy like Stephon Diggs, in my opinion. I think he can still succeed. So Josh Allen's stacks look really intriguing. If you want to pay up in cash, he looks like a solid option. I'm not sure what my strategy is going to be quite yet this week we're going to, have to talk about those wide receivers running backs and kind of talk about how it fits with pricing but for josh allen hard to poke many holes in this spot i guess the only thing i would say is that we've seen the falcons really struggle to push teams so maybe you would say okay in the second half is josh allen really doing his thing and running all over the football field maybe not but on paper it looks awesome for allen and the bills the other name i'll throw out at pricing at the top tb12 tom brady taking on the jets 7.6k on dk taking on a team that's just reeling the jets just been atrocious and now they're getting one of the best offenses in football again with antonio brown with tom brady with rep all those guys are in good spots this week with that huge implied total again they're sitting at 29 and a half tied with buffalo for the highest on the slate jalen hurts coming down a little bit at 6.6 k is super intriguing he's been awesome all season and i know he's kind of had those little blips in the radar here and there but you're talking about a guy that almost every week is averaging, you know, 20 plus DK points, no matter what. I and mean, 22.6 on the season is what he's averaging in week 15. When these two teams played, he had his best game as a pro, in my opinion, 20 for 26, 296 yards passing through a touchdown. And then also ran for two with 38 yards on the ground. Good for 29.6 DK points. So the same matchup applies. Washington is a bit of a pass funnel. They're strong 
up front against the run. They're pretty weak in the secondary. And Jalen Hurts, as we know, can always pad the stat line with his legs. So in the mid-range, he looks really solid at that 6.6. Again, I do like Philly to go over their implied total. Okay, last name, quarterbacks. If you listened to the main show earlier today, Mike is very excited, and, and I am too. And if you saw my best ball exposure to Trey Lance this year, you would understand why. Jimmy Garoppolo dealing with that thumb issue. It is a torn ulnar collateral ligament, as well as a what they call a chip fracture in the thumb. And essentially what happens is like when you tear that ligament, it can pull on a tiny piece of the bone and cause it to uh, fracture. And as that happens, you know, you have this kind of situation where the thumb is a little bit unstable. You get pain when you try to grip the football, difficult to throw, all those things. So if he doesn't have surgery, he's going to have to mobilize it for a while. I don't think we see Jimmy G under center, despite the coach speak and despite the fact that they're saying, you know, they kind of want to like reevaluate as the week goes on. I think it's going to be Trey Lance here taking on the Texans. They're he's 4.8 K. They have a huge implied total. I talked about it. I was very surprised to see, you know, Sam Fran at almost 29 points. If you're telling me we get Trey Lance at 4.8 K against the Texans. And I think Davis Mills can answer back. I'm really interested in Trey Lance this week, especially for cash games on DK at 4.8 K. I think it'd be an interesting discussion point as far as how we handle him in tournaments because everyone loves Trey Lance. You know, the dynasty community loves him. People that are playing best ball love him. He'll, he's going to be popular, no question, but it's a good matchup. And, you know, he's too cheap, I think, for what his upside really is, especially running the football. And cash, my early lean is that I do want to go there. And it's because I want to pay it for guys like Jonathan Taylor and Cooper Cup. And if you're doing that, you have to save money somewhere. Trey Lance could be kind of that skeleton key that unlocks the slate for us down at 4.8K. Over on Fandle, he's 6.4, still very, very affordable and very cheap. And Josh Allen looks like a really good value over there as well. He's 8.8K on their site. At running back, let's talk about the Colts with Jonathan Taylor. 9K on uh, DK. He's priced up really far on FanDuel. You could still get there, but on DK at 9K, I think he's in play if you play Trey Lance. If you're playing Josh Allen or Tom Brady, you may not be able to get there. And we just had news break right before I started the show today that uh, unfortunately we're going to get uh, Sam Ellinger as the backup here for the Colts. Carson Wentz placed on the COVID list and it looks like he is unvaccinated. So yeah, we're not going to get Carson Wentz on the slate. So I guess there's a little bit more systemic risk with the Colts team as a whole, but they're taking on Las Vegas. They've given up the third most DK points per game to running backs. And Jonathan Taylor, even this past week, had like four linemen out. He still ran for over 100 yards. So I think you know what you're going to get with Jonathan Taylor. He feels super safe in the cash game if you have the money to get up to him. Ronald Jones was a guy we talked about a lot last week. There's not too much to add to the situation. He saw 20 carries. Leonard Fournette's on IR, and now he's getting the Jets, and we, we play running backs against the Jets, so we'll keep the conversation pretty short. He got priced up a little bit. He's 6.3 as opposed to 5.1 last week, so he's still not free like he was last week, but he's still a really strong point-per-dollar projection with a huge total against the Jets. And then over on Fandle, he looks like an even better value, still just 7K for Rojo. Looks really, really solid. I'll throw out a couple names too. Sonny Michelle, 5.8, taking on Baltimore. You know, I know the situation with Cam Akers is super exciting. I would be absolutely shocked, floored, if Cam Akers came in and got 15 touches in this game and, and took that much away from Sonny Michelle. I think the plan for the Rams with this significant injury is to let Cam Akers kind of get acclimated as the next two, three, four weeks go on and hope that Akers can contribute a little bit in the playoffs. So Daryl Henderson on IR, Sonny Michelle averaging 
north of 20 opportunities per game over his last four since he's really taken over as a starter. And DraftKings just refuses to move his price. So at 5.8K, he looks super solid if you want to go down a little bit in pricing. The other name to look at early in the week for saving some salary is Boston Scott sitting at 4.9K. Miles Sanders broke a bone in his hand. He's going to miss this game. And then you look at uh, their depth chart. Jordan Howard also had a stinger injury uh, in the game in the fourth quarter. So unclear where what his status is. If you get Boston Scott as the lone guy, he would be a name that I think I would probably fade in tournaments. I really question his upside. But in cash games, if you're going to get 15-plus opportunities at south of $5,000, um, really strong on a team that I like this week in the Eagles. The other name that I'll throw out over on FanDuel, Daryl Williams is super, super cheap. He's 6.2K over there. Taking on the Bengals, we know he has the pass-catching role. Uh, we know that game has a high total, as we already talked about. And Clyde Edwards-Alaire dealing with that shoulder injury. Looks like he is probably doubtful for this week. So if you get Daryl, 6.2K on FanDuel. Looks pretty nice. At wide receiver, as we do every week, we're going to talk about Cooper Cup. There's not much to say. You know you're going to get targets. You know you're going to get a good offense. And now we have Baltimore, who just got absolutely lit up by Joe Burrow and his pass catchers. So Cooper Cup... If somehow you have the salary to get up to him, he's 9.5K. He's expensive. He might be worth it. And I think, honestly, early in the week, if you're asking me to pick Jonathan Taylor or Cooper Cup on DraftKings, it's honestly a coin flip. I might lean Cup for the extra $500, which is crazy. But I think with the situation playing out with Trey Lance, you can probably get up to Cooper Cup if you really want him this week. Um, it's again, taking on Baltimore secondary. Looks like a smash spot. On FanDuel, it's a bit of a different conversation. He's north of $10,000. Honestly, I'm doing this a little while now. I don't know that I've ever seen a wide receiver north of 10K. That's how insanely good he's been this year. It's it's just, it's stupid what he's done. Absolutely crazy. Jalen Waddle, throw his name out too if you want to come down in pricing all the way to 6.7K. This guy is on pace to break Anquan Bolden's rookie reception record of all time. Uh, he had an awesome game Monday night. Didn't move his price. He's 6.7K. And Tennessee, as we know, throughout the year has gotten, um, you know, they've gotten better as the year goes on. They're still definitely beatable especially in the slot which is where Jalen Waddle is going to work so this offense runs through Jalen Waddle he's 6.7k on on DraftKings if you're talking about full PPR he just looks rock solid early in the week I talked about this with the incentives with Tom Brady with his best friend Antonio Brown coming in off the IR not playing whatever he was he wasn't on IR but he was on you know basically not playing for what since week six I mean that was like October or, or like early October and now Antonio Brown comes back into the lineup last week, 15 targets, plays 80% of the snaps, 6.1K. He's still just too cheap against the Jets. I'm going to guarantee you guys right now he's in my cash game lineup. Absolutely no questions about it on DraftKings. On FanDuel, it's a little bit of a different conversation. He's pretty expensive over there as far as how he's priced up. On DK, he's all the way down as the wide receiver 18. I'm not sure what they were doing over there. Fandle was not sleeping on this at all. He is the wide receiver three on the slate. And again, we only have four teams that are off the main slate. So it's not like he's just priced up because there's no one else to play. He's up there with some elite names. And I'm not sure if I'll go there in FanDuel. I think his roster percentage will be much lower over there because it's so high. But on DK, he looks rock solid down at 6.1K. Tight end this week is really tough on FanDuel. Let's talk about that first. You're going to want to get up to the guys like you know Kittle or Gronk. Kittle is 7.6, taking on Houston. Gronk is 6.7, taking on the Jets. And it's just easier to pay up over there. On DK, with the pricing being a little bit tighter, with us probably wanting to try to jam in you know, Antonio Brown, Cooper Cup, Jonathan Taylor, those sort of names, you can't also play Gronk, Kittle, 
you know, those guys, Kelsey. So the names that I'm looking at early in the week, I'm going to throw out Mo Alley Cox. He's 2.8K taking on Las Vegas. The matchup is beautiful, but with this Carson Wentz situation, it could be a little thin because Wentz is not going to play. The quarterback uncertainty is there. It just adds systemic risk to the Colts offense as a whole. He is 2.8K. He's at least in the conversation. In the same game, Foster Moreau at 3.8K, I think is at least intriguing taking on the Colts. The Colts are getting uh, giving up a ton of production to tight ends. They are third as far as the best matchup for tight ends in DraftKings points per game allowed. His target counts over the last three are six, nine, and four, and 65 plus yards in his last two games. So if you're telling me a guy at 3.8K is going to give me what, eight to nine points in a cash game, it's probably fine. I do think this is a really interesting slate, though, as far as like how you build your tournament teams because there's so many guys on the list that can just blow the field away at, at tight end. We don't always have that. You know, we've got Mark Andrews, we've got Travis Kelsey, Kittle, Gronk. Those names can really separate from, you know, Jared Cook, Evan Ingram, Foster Moreau's of the world. So I think in cash games, it's fine to go down. I'm going to probably try to get up to those guys, though, in tournaments to get different with my builds. At defense, couple of names I'm going to throw out. Actually, in the same game, Carolina, I think, is viable. At 3K, taking on New Orleans. If it's Ian Book, yes, please. Even if it's uh, Taysom Hill, I think it's viable. Probably less less uh, intriguing, but still viable. Um, at 3K, very, very cheap in a, a bad game environment. And then the same team, if you have the money to get up to them, New Orleans, even though their offense has been terrible on defense, they've really been able to kind of stay the course and play pretty good football over the last month of the season taking on the quarterback carousel of Cam Newton and Sam Darnold looks awesome. Last name, the Raiders, 2.7K, taking on Indy, which will be Sam Ellinger uh, with only about five days to prepare for the game. So the Raiders look solid as well if you want to go down to save some money at 2.7 on DraftKings. Over on FanDuel, 4.3K for Philly, looks super solid, taking on Washington. Taylor Heineke, we know, has had these games where he'll turn the ball over you know, he'll take sacks, those sort of things. And then if you have the money, you can get up to him with the pricing being soft on FanDuel. Give me Tampa taking on Zach Wilson at 4.9K. I think we all know what the situation is there. We can keep that conversation pretty short, but they look awesome if you have the money. All right, just a reminder, you can go to the ballersdfs.com. You can join our DraftKings League, Fantasy Footballers DFS, Borg plus Bets. We will have some contests get rolled out over the course of the week, probably on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday for Sunday's main slate, which should be a lot of fun. Again, 14 games should be wild. Should be a lot of good spots there for that. This will wrap up the first ever edition of the solo pod of the DFS show. Uh, don't plan to do this super often, but in a pinch, it works and just kind of gets you guys ready to prepare for the main slate as the week goes on. I'll be back on uh, Friday to talk with John Daigle of NBC Sports Edge. Super excited about that. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Have an awesome week, and I will see you guys on Friday. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.